Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. Victor Antonio, welcome to the program. Selling is all about, really, it's, we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. And this is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. So, with that, on to the show. Caleb Shoemate from the Libertarian Republic here on The Brian Nichols Show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely. And we've been working on this for uh, for a couple months now to get you onto the show. And with yeah. my, with my, my sickness I had there a couple weeks ago and then vacation and life and, and, you know, all that in between, we ended up, uh, had to postpone a few times. And God bless you. You were able to reschedule. And, and here we are, you know, recording on the, the 10th of July. And uh, I'm so excited to have you on my show because you're... You're easily one of my my favorite stories as I've watched you really start over at the Libertarian Republic and, and you know move up the ranks and really create a name for yourself. I mean, I saw just today you had uh, Antonio Okafor following you on Twitter. That was pretty darn cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, so let's let's just start off for the folks in my audience who are not familiar with who you are or maybe your works that you've been doing over at, at TLR. Introduce who you are to my audience and then kind of what brought you to be uh, one of these so-called air quote crazy libertarians. <laughs> One of, the, one of the radicals. Well, to be honest with you, I got involved in politics probably about 2013. Um, I've always been into history my whole life, and my love and passion for history kind of evolved into my political action. But I remember sitting in a U.S. history class, and by the grace of God, I had a good teacher, and he actually taught the truth and like really hammered home primary sources it's like don't take anybody's word for it you know you go back and you read the words of whoever it is you're studying if you if you want to figure out what they're saying you know you read the letters of thomas jefferson or abraham lincoln or george washington or whoever you're studying and i remember you know he would talk about the foundational principles of liberty and that that's really not something you see a lot in modern college classes, but it really started a fire in my belly because 
then he would talk about the progressive era and how we strayed for that. And I thought, well, my God, I've got to do something. And so that, that led me to getting involved in the local tea party. I got turned on to Glenn Beck, who I'm a big fan of. And, uh, I listened to him on a regular basis and that kind of got me involved in doing this. And then I got up with Austin, um, Austin, Austin, you mean Austin Peterson, who uh, ran for U.S. Senate in, in the state of Missouri as a Republican, and, and he's the, the founder and, and really the, the, the guy who's the, the puppet master behind the scenes at the Libertarian Republic. So just for people who are wondering who Austin is. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry about that. Austin Peterson, I got involved with him about the time that uh, well, I got turned on to him about 2016 when he ran for president under the Libertarian Party ticket, and then uh, I've been a fan of his ever since then, and um uh, then we did uh, some work, you know, I did some advocacy for him with his Senate program. You know, I would uh, post on social media and I did a little donating there just because I, I really believed in him. That was actually the first time I've ever donated to a candidate. But uh, just because I really believed in, in what he was talking about. And then he was put in a plug for uh, volunteer riders. And I said, well, I'll throw my hat in the ring. And so here <laughs> I am. Well, here you are, and and the reason I wanted to have you on now, now first and foremost, uh, you are someone who you you've been facing a disability pretty much your whole life, and, and I don't want to tell your own yes. story, but you you have cerebral palsy, and yes. it's it's a fascinating story to hear how you kind of taken your disability and you've said, you know what, screw it, that's not going to hold mm-hmm. me back. I'm I'm going to you know do my own thing. I mean, I, I, one of the things I absolutely love watching on on Facebook, it, it, it makes me smile every time, is seeing you when you're doing your workout videos and you're you're doing you know. You're doing yeah. chin, uh, you know, chin lifts or not chin lifts. Um, I can't even think of the word. Dips. Yeah, dips. dips thank you. Dips. Pull ups. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, you're getting jacked, man. Like to see you being able to do that, and you're like, you know, despite my disability, this is this is something I want to do because I am not going to let my disability hold me back. That is so motivating to me. I mean, I used to weigh 385 pounds, so for me, wow. I, would, I was like, you know what? I can't let my I don't say disability because it's not disability it was a choice um, but I can't let, <laughs> yeah. I can't let this extra weight hold me back and I ended up you know, I dropped down uh, you know a couple hundred pounds there and and yeah. to to see you overcome that it was really inspiring for me so I mean with that in mind what is it about the libertarian philosophy as someone who I would dare say most people look at you and and you know unfortunately because of just the the perception people have of somebody who's in a wheelchair they would say mm-hmm. they need help they need somebody to help them and, and mm-hmm. libertarianism is is against the idea of you know the government being the the nanny and holding your hand the whole time. So how was it that you kind of got mm-hmm. towards the ideas of libertarianism or just the ideas of liberty, personal responsibility, personal liberty, and right. you didn't let your 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 you know, your limitations hold you back and and kind of go the path of somebody who traditionally would go towards that nanny state. Mm-hmm. Well, I was raised in a very conservative household, so both socially and um, fiscally. So, so my background started from there, but then when I started looking at, you know, political parties and not to say that, you know, because the LP is a big mess now anyway, but, but looking at political philosophies and I, I saw that, you know, conservatives, they claim to care about a small government, you know, but they didn't really care. You know, I, I looked and I saw, you know, what about the intervention around the world? You know, and, and policing the world and all these things. And I said, well, that's not really conservative. And so my understanding of conservatism was much more libertarian than conservative. <laughs> it was real. Uh, <laughs> it, was right, truly liber- right. it was truly liberty oriented. Right, right. Uh, and I've always been very liberty oriented. I just didn't know that the, 
there's a word for what I was, you know, because I've always <laughs> considered myself a libertarian. I, I just called myself conservative because I thought that was, you know, what it was. And then when I started digging around and finding that, you know, different political philosophies, I said, well, you know, I don't want when it comes to the social issues, I don't want government telling me what church I can or can't go to or or who I can marry or whatever, you know. So I, I don't want anybody being involved in that, and I sure as heck don't want them involved in my pocketbook. And so uh, that, that's pretty much libertarianism right there. And so I said, well, I guess that's what I am, you know. <laughs> and it's funny because um, I always like to ask that, st- that question to, to hear everybody's individual story because I, I find that we were able to figure out how we got to liberty and then use how we got to liberty to help bring others to liberty. What? So, I mean, for yes. example, one of our, our good friends uh, over at the Libertarian Republic, Sefi Cole, she started from the exact opposite. She wasn't in a conservative household. She was in a very progressive left-wing household. Yes. And she kind of yes. gravitated more and more along the, the, the track to liberty um, by doing her research, learning more and more, and, and to see, you know, there's no specific way you have to get to liberty. It's, it's refreshing to know mm-hmm. that, it, you, the ideas are so contagious and the ideas of liberty are, are so ingrained in who we are as individuals, um, that really partisanship be damned. People usually, hopefully, when they're, they're yeah. being objective, they find their way naturally to our, our, our ideology essentially. And that is being, you know, pro self, pro, uh, you know, property rights, pro non-aggression. That's really the, yes. the concepts of libertarianism. Yes. Yes. I, I believe that, uh, not to sound cliche, but it's, it's really common sense. Anybody that would, you know, believe, well, I own myself. Well, if you own yourself and then the individual is free, the rights of the individual are, you know, expansive, you know, and nobody has a right to tell me how I can or cannot live my life. And I don't want to do that to anybody else. And so the government sure as hell can't do that to anybody. Have you found, Caleb, and I'm going to ask you this, and I'm just curious what your kind of your experience has been. Have you found that people assume that you're a political ideology because of your disability? Oh, boy, I've got a funny story to tell you. Hit me with it. That's the idea of the podcast. Hit me the funny story. It's actually happened to me twice. Um, Two times that I have went to vote, I have had people try to get me to vote for Democratic candidates. It's funny because, you know, I'm not partisan and I. I hate on the Republicans when they stray from limited government principles as much as I do Democrats. But it's always been the Democrats that assume that I'm feeble-minded or that I'm mentally retarded and, and try to get me to vote for, for their Democratic candidate. But the, there was one person, and I remember I was actually on the way to a Tea Party event after I went to vote because we went to vote as a family. And this woman, she come up to me, and she was an elderly type woman. And she said, you know, I've worked in the school system for 30-some-odd years. And she said, I just love people like you. And she said, you should vote for Kay Hagan, who was a Democrat running in North Carolina. She said, you should just vote because she just loves people like you. And I, I remember I, I sat there and I was, I was baffled, Brian. I didn't really know what to say. <laughs> um, but I, I tell you, it took every bit of Christianity and every bit of goodness in me not to just give her a piece of my mind because I, I wanted to rip her and I, I wanted to really let into her, you know. Oh yeah, well, but, uh, I was gonna say it, it, what's sad is because I so I actually worked in uh, in mental health for a while back when I was I was younger. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, there's there's a perception I think that if you don't support 
the progressive or the in just in general the democratic candidates that you're yes. against the poor you're against the people who are in need of help and i really think yes. there's a disconnect between the the, the reality that is you know mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll discuss the article you wrote about like you know there's there's an importance for people to not only be able to defend themselves but like to allow their community to voluntarily help people in in these individual cases of need but to to assume mm-hmm. that just because you're voting for the democrats uh Dem- democratic party who's going to use the, the power of government to quote unquote enact these, uh, you know, pr- promotions of change for for positive good for the people who are in need, that doesn't necessarily make you a, a moral or a good person because you're you're forcing somebody else to give their dollars to a government to then you know say we're going to use those dollars for doing good things, and that's that's completely opposite right. to the, the the foundational principles of our country. Yeah, it is. It, it really is, and it, it's based off of extortion. You know, when you're you're taking your your tax dollars. And taking it from somebody involuntarily, you know, if they want to help the poor, let them help the poor. I'm all for helping the poor. That, that's what kills me about the left is that they say, mm-hmm. well, oh, you, you don't care about the children or you, or you must not care about, you know, quality education or, or the poor or what have you. Insert whatever you want to there. And it's like, no, I do. I do. Very much so. I care about the poor so much. I don't want the government involved because I see government involvement is holding them back in many ways. It's not giving you a hand up. It's giving you a hand out and it should be giving you a hand up. And that's just not what it does. Well, we've, we've seen a perversion of the, the, the use of government over the years. And it's, it's gotten worse yes. and worse, especially, you know, in 2019, um, yeah. where, I mean, geez, I, I'm sure you watch the democratic debates and you just see, you know, oh, who, who's going to be more left on the, on the, on the stage. And, <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, honestly, like for me, I kind of, um, I kind of smirk a little bit cause I'm like, okay, I, there's no way, right? Like there's no way that the average person in America would vote for someone who is, you know, you know, left-wing absolute you know cuckoo crazy mm-hmm. progressive but then i look at people like a bernie sanders and i mean he's got he's got a, a group of people who are supporting him that is you know it it's kind of scary it, it's like okay mm-hmm. this, this I, I dare say honestly like it far surpassed what ron paul was able to accumulate in, in 2008 and 2012 and that's scary yes. um because yes. instead of preaching the ideas and, and the the concepts of personal liberty and responsibility he's saying let me help the government uh, help you and and that's mm-hmm. you know that's one of the scariest things to hear is i'm here from the government i'm here to help um yeah that's reagan exactly yeah and, and but people are, are getting to the point now where they are looking for these solutions from the government so yes what would you say you know based on your experience um you know it, especially with your your disability what's been the best means to actually help you live your life the best way you can has it been government or has it been you know private charities or, or family or, or what have you it's it's been private charity and then help from my family and then now help from Austin. I mean, knowing that I had someone who I had no professional experience as far as writing or any of that until I got involved with Austin and he just he really didn't know me from Adam. I mean, he knew I was a supporter of his and he took my word at it and I was able to prove myself to him and show him what a good writer I was and a good communicator. But even he, I was surprised, but he said, you really have a gift for this. And the fact that somebody that I personally admire big time was willing to take the time to be able to invest in me and uh, has actually become a very good friend of mine means the world to me. Yeah. So let's um, let's kind of expound upon that, shall we? So not, yeah. not necessarily um, Austin, but like let's say the government. So 
with the yeah. government, um, people assume that yes. your, your, your individual needs as somebody who does face a disability every day would be met, you know, all the day, all the time. Like there's no question about it versus, you know, the, the, the private sector where, you know, if, yes. if, if there wasn't somebody who's actually going out there to, to help you, that you would just be, you know, pushed to the side and, and left on your own to, 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 you yeah. know, suffer in silence. So what's the disconnect? Where are people losing the, the, you know, the, what is the the reality of the situation versus what's being promoted um, or the narrative that's promoted by maybe people who are more in favor of a large overarching government? Okay. okay. Well, I, I tell you from personal experience, I'm, I'm on Medicare and Medicaid against my will. I was put on it at the age of 18 and I can tell you firsthand just how much the, uh, the system sucks and it doesn't help your needs. I'm sitting in a wheelchair that's creaking like an old rocking chair right now. <laughs> The bolts will the bolts will come out the back unexpectedly. I've had to get people to help me fix it up to where it half works half the time. Um, now I mean I, I'm not able to get what I need uh, because I think according to the program uh, they only allow me to have one chair every five years, and this one's a piece of shit. I'm just going to be blunt. <laughs> uh, Probably the worst wheelchair I've ever had. Like I said, I was born with cerebral palsy, so this this is something I've been dealing with my whole life, and this is just the crappiest chair I've ever had. So, do you find that that kind of it carries through all those services that you experience? You know, being someone who's on Medicaid and Medicare, that it it really is just you know cookie cutter. Like, okay, you're 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 up next, and it's just. There's no personality mm-hmm. to it. There, it's just you know you're you're an, another name, another number, and and you you you're yeah. just another person to check off a, a, a list. Oh oh yeah. Well, and I tell you, it, it's hard because it doesn't give me the the hand up. It it really restricts me from doing what I want to do because I think well oh well I can only make so and so a lot of amount of money before they start cutting that out. I, you know I might make too much money to start losing you know the things that they provide for me or whatever, which I don't want in the first place. But the, the reality is, you know, when, how do, how do I put this? W- with them doing this, you know, I can't make over an allotted amount of money, but I may not be able to afford health insurance and all those other kind of things. Well, it, it doesn't give me a hand up because if, if something happens to me, th- then what do I do? And, and so I can't make my own own money, and it's it, to be honest with you, it's demoralizing because I, I I've realized long before I got involved in the liberty movement, and long before I realized that I was a libertarian that this was immoral. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll tell you that there's nothing that I want more than anything in the world to make enough money to tell the government to stick it. <laughs> that's yeah. the goal, right? I mean, honestly, that's, yeah. that, that is the American dream is, is to make yeah. it so you don't have to be reliant on anybody else. You're able to, to fend for yourself. So then, um, you know, I, I would love to see you, you obviously become a much more well-known writer, um, oh, especially yeah. within libertarian circles or just, you know, pro liberty, pro conservative, pro constitution circles, what have you. Yes. So let's yes. kind of, um, let's go to, to hopefully push one of those articles. That is the, uh, the article you, you published there back, uh, actually as of today, uh, today's recording, July 9th, it was, uh, your article over at the Libertarian Public said, Colt made me equal, a, dis- a disabled libertarian's case for gun ownership. So, Caleb, if you could, 
kind of walk us through the premise of your 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 article okay. here over at TLR and and kind of explain the uh, the premise there of being somebody who is disabled and how your your strong pro second amendment and how you consider that to have helped make you more equal um, when considered to your peers. Oh yeah, well, uh, really, it's pretty self-explanatory. Well, to start at the beginning, I like I said, I grew up in a conservative household, so I'm very comfortable with guns. I have been. I've been raised around them my whole life. Um, a very pro-gun, uh, but let's just face facts. Because of my CP, I'm in a natural disadvantage. I'm I'm strong on the upper body, but I mean, what what am I supposed to do if an attacker comes at me? I sure as heck don't want to get down on the ground with them. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I might be able to choke them out or something, but I mean, I'm I'm at a natural disadvantage because I don't have the lower body function. That other people do. So I, it's not like I can ju- do judo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, when when you introduce that gun into the equation, and concealed carry in particular, let, let's just face it, that's the equalizer. Because right. whether people whether people like it or not, the people that are most likely to be attacked or mugged are women, people with disabilities, and the elderly. And why is that? Because they're perceived as weaker. And so they think, well, you know, these guys will be an easy target. But if I'm packing some heat, they might think twice about that. And sure sure enough, if they come at me, I'm going to take them down. (laughs) Well, uh, let's expound upon that as well. Um, You know, in your article, you you discussed how, you know, history, it it has shown to be that what you just said is a hundred percent true, and you reference back in the nineteen you know thirties when the the Nazis basically they started going after those who were considered handicapped um, yeah. first because they were in fact the the, the more weak of the people um, yeah. you know, in, in in Nazi Germany and in according to your article you know they they ended up killing two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand physically or mentally handicapped individuals under the T four other eugenic programs from nineteen thirty nine to nineteen forty five. Now that mm-hmm. alone is horrifying like that's a six-year mm-hmm. period and 200 to 255,000 individuals who were either physically or mentally handicapped being just executed wiped off the face of the earth that's just it's it's horrifying to think that, that happened but not even you know 70 some odd years ago um but it basically speaks to the point that you're referring to is that you mm-hmm. know they the, the those who are at a disadvantage when it comes to their handicaps they are mm-hmm. the first targets of a tyrannical government, and and really they were defenseless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean you can even look at that in the United States. There was a young woman, I think, around the turn of the twentieth century. I, I, Carrie, I believe her, her first name was. I can't remember her last name right now, but she was deemed mentally incapable of raising a child by the state, and she was forced to have an abortion and sterilized. And that was in the United States by the United States Supreme Court. <laughs> and, and so it, it, it really disgusts me, you know, all the, all these examples that we find of these eugenicists, from Margaret Sanger to Hitler, all these big government types people. I'm kind of the canary in the coal mine here because they're coming after me first. And, and so I'm warning, for the love of God, people, wake up. This is not the, the rantings and ravings of a paranoid person. I know firsthand from studying history, they will come after the people with disabilities. They'll come after the people they see as unfit. 
and then they'll come after the rest of society. So then the argument that's going to be raised up from those probably on the left or just, you know, the, the, yeah. the pro-government camp is that, yeah. well, that will never happen in America in 2019. Come on. That, that, that's that's preposterous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because because America's different than the rest of the world. Like it, it's 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 like what Rudyard Kipling said about uh, in his poem, God of the Copybook Headings. I, I wrote an article about that, actually, myself, about how water will wet and fire will burn. America is not exempt from being dealt with with socialism. America is not exempt from economic disaster. If we keep going down this road, bad things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's just the course of how it is. Fortunately, in America, our founding fathers were smart enough to give us something we call the Constitution. <laughs> that was yes. supposed to pre- prevent, against that, prevent against that kind of stuff. But... Our elected officials, whether Republican or Democrat, have not done a very good job of following that piece of paper. Well, because it limits that, their power, right? Like that's yeah. that's that's the uh, you know the the unfortunate reality is that those that are in power are going to do nothing mm-hmm. more than to seek to increase their power. And um, uh, you know, absolutely, I was just on um, a show yesterday on Call Me Ignorant uh, with Stephen mm-hmm. Ramis, and and we were actually talking about this is that you know he was saying what would you prefer a a system where the, the two-party system goes away, or it's just, you know, it's one party or, you know, no parties. And I'm like, honestly, I'd prefer to see, you know, no parties. But the reality is, is that that's never going to happen because the people mm-hmm. who are in power right now are part of this two-party system. And they will do everything in their damn power to make sure that, that power does not go away. And, um, you know, we've Absolutely. seen it, we've seen it in, in history in that, you know, with the Libertarian Party, especially being, you know, forced to, to get ballot access every year in, in you know, almost every single yeah. state, um, you know, keeping them off the debate stage. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's built into, the, the institutions of our electoral systems and the fact that, you know, you, you look no further than our southern border of countries like Venezuela. I mean, I had a girl on my show, Hillary Andalus Aguilar, and she discussed, mm-hmm. she, she grew up in Venezuela and she discussed what is happening to her home country and really the progression of where they started to where they are now. And it's mm-hmm. horrifying because you you truly see the, um, as social socialism creeps in and as individual rights start to slip away, then all of a sudden the, the dehumanizing begins. And she was referring to one of her friends who he went mm-hmm. out protesting the government and he was in the middle of the street and he got shot point blank in the head. And that happened, oh, in a, yeah, that happened in a country, you know, literally just a couple countries away from us down our southern border in South America. It's yeah. not too hard to grasp that that could happen in America, especially when you see the Antifa thugs that are going around and mm-hmm. they're, you know, you know, they're going after journalists or you see the, the conflicts that are happening in our, our very urban cities. And I'm, I said the show yesterday I was on and like, I get nervous cause I'm like, what, you know, what's going to be the tipping point that happens here. And then yes. God, what will happen to those people who are, who, you know, are in need yeah. and they need help, you know, that aren't like you who are packing heat and they're, they're ready to defend yeah. themselves. They're going to be the, yeah. the most defenseless among us. Yes. Yes. Uh, absolutely. And like I said, that that that's why I'm pro gun. It's because I realize without that, I'm I'm one of society's what you would consider most vulnerable. Even though I'm not a victim by any means. I mean, I think that's pretty self evident. You know that yourself, Brian. Yeah, for sure. But uh, you know, it bothers me. I, I do want to clarify. I believe America is different in the fact of you know I've studied our history. I've done that my whole life. I believe we're different because we're an exceptional nation. I do believe that we're the best nation in the world, and I make no apologies for that. I believe we're different because I've seen what we do when the chips are down. But the problem is is that we're so busy 
being, I'm, and I'm just talking about the average person here, being at each other's throat, that we don't listen to one another, that we don't have a conversation, that we just want to <laughs> shout at each other. And the two-party system and those people in power are rigged against us. Yeah, they want that because they know if they can divide us, then they can easily conquer us. And, mm. and so I don't believe that we're exempt from you know, the pains of socialism should we choose to continue to go down this road. But it, it worries me and it really concerns me. What are we going to have to go through until we wake up? Agreed. And, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the whole reason you mentioned, you know, the fact that we are not talking to each other. That's, that's really the point of my show is to have yeah. conversations with people from, from all over the aisles. I mean, I've had, you know, democratic socialists on my show. I've had, uh, conservatives. I've had Republicans. I, I don't care what the, the, you know, identification is, the ism that somebody has or, mm-hmm. or the, uh, you know, the, the R, you know, R or D or L or, or whatever G mm-hmm. next to their name. It doesn't matter to me. I want to have conversations yeah. with real people and, really try to find some common ground where we can at least understand where the other person's coming from instead of thinking, Oh, you're uh, you're my enemy because you don't right. agree with me a hundred percent of, you know, the time on a hundred percent of the issues. Right. And I'm, I'm grateful that we live in a country where we can at least attempt to have those conversations where we can, because in some of these countries that we're talking about in the Venezuela and the USSR, when it existed, in Nazi Germany that we just talked about, you couldn't even have those conversations. Yep. So, so I, I'm grateful that we live in a country that we can have these conversations and talk about these things. It's scary because you can see how quickly it can be uh, so, uh, you know, quickly ripped away. Um, that's, yes. That's the part that you know, I'm worried about. And I hope that, you know, some mm-hmm. of our, our, you know, brothers and sisters here in America will wake up to that and, and really mm-hmm. say, you know, sure, there, there might be speech that I don't like, but that doesn't make it that illegal speech. You know, hate speech is, right. is still free speech. And we have to embrace the ability for people to say the most vile things because, you know, if, if we start to, to censor who can say what, then and it becomes, you know, well, then it's, you know, 50 plus one majority mm-hmm. rule and then whoever that 50 plus mm-hmm. one majority is can silence their 49% in the name of hate speech. Um, well, and that's that's a scary, scary precipice to, to really establish. Well, sunlight is the best disinfectant, Brian. And so if you if you take these, you know, these hateful ideas, we'll, we'll take white nationalists, for example. Any liberty-loving person, I don't think most Americans would like a white nationalist. But I want them to be able to be free to uh, say whatever they want to say, say their outlandish, racist ideas so that they can be put out there in the marketplace of ideas and then people can hear them and they say, well, this is a bunch of shit. I don't want anything to do with this. But it, but if you keep it, you know, if you suppress it, you know, as far as not allowing them to be able to speak, then it festers and it grows and then that's part of what contributes to a Hitler situation that ended up killing, what what did I say, two or Two hundred thousand to two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. just disabled people, not counting the Jews and all the other groups that he went after. Well, uh, that's why we need people like you to uh, to keep on, you know, to raising up the issues and and you know, really telling your story and and hope, hope, hopefully making people more aware of of what's going on and the, the importance of not only you know the the ideas of liberty and the concepts of liberty, but you know, reference to your article, the importance of, of being a well armed and aware and and you know, really educated society. So, with that yes. being said, I would love to uh, to direct people towards your work. So, where if people are interested in learning more about Caleb Shumate and all the great things he's doing doing over. TLR, where can they go ahead and find you and you know the articles you're uh, you're writing now? Well, they can find me at the Libertarian Republic, and then they can follow me on Twitter at Freedom's Beard, one word, 
Freedom's Beard 92, and I also have a Facebook page with the same name, Freedom's Beard 92, and then on Instagram at Caleb Shumate, that's S-H-U-M-A-T-E, 1776. Awesome, and I'll be, make sure I include all those links in the uh, the show notes so people can go ahead and find you easier, but Caleb, listen to me, I really appreciate taking some time to uh, to join me in the show today, so uh, folks, with that, if you enjoyed today's episode and you, you enjoy um, not only Caleb, but the work he's doing over at TLR, please take a second, number one, go and, and subscribe to uh, all of his writings over on TLR um, so you get notified whenever he's writing some great stuff, but also, make sure you go ahead and follow him on Twitter uh, and on Facebook, but hey, if you enjoy the Brian Nichols Show, I'd appreciate a follow on Twitter and on social media at B Nichols Liberty. Uh, and as always, if you could go ahead and do me a favor, swing over to iTunes, give us a rate and review. That's how we move up the ratings. Five stars would be great. Please, five stars. Um, and also, please share with families and friends. This is a great episode to share with families and friends, by the way. Um, it's a very uh, personal and I think very eye-opening story. Uh, and it really helps explain the, the concepts and the, the importance of individual liberty and, and personal responsibility better than, than most. So uh, with that, folks, if you could do me a favor and, uh, and give us a like over on Facebook as well, I would appreciate that. So with that being said, until next week, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Caleb Shoemate of TLR. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life. Raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling the stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the Liberty Movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science.